We really don't mind if you have a desire to sing special music in our church. Uh, if you are a part of our church and uh, you're a member of our church, we don't just allow anybody to sing. Uh, if you do, then you never know what you're going to get. But uh, if you have a desire to sing, maybe with your wife or with a group, or you say, I think this would be a great idea, I'm not going to sing, but I'm going to make this happen, uh, that works too. Uh, we're always trying to prepare special music and that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes it's not that we uh, don't desire to ask someone. Uh, it's just that we didn't have the opportunity to ask, or maybe they just quite honestly didn't come to mind to ask. Uh, but uh, I don't do as much of that. Wendy has helped me a lot with the preparation for that. And then I know between uh, Mrs. Anderson and in some cases even Mrs. Wontalk, they, they, they do a lot of the music side and it helps me a lot with uh, that organizing. But if that would be of something of your interest, uh, pray about it. Uh, you know, and maybe you had never sung a special music with your spouse and uh, sing with another uh, couple and uh, do a quartet together. And uh, th those things are always good when God's people in God's church uh, can, can use their voices to praise the Lord and, and stir and encourage the hearts of others. Amen? And so I appreciate that, men, and special music this morning. Let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Luke today. Luke chapter number 23. Or Luke chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 23. Luke chapter 11 and verse 23. Been thinking on this passage of scripture uh, this week and um, praying that I would not allow myself to become as uh, we find here in, in Luke 11, verse 23. The Word of God says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. The Bible tells us in verse number 27. That as Jesus is saying these things, a woman, a woman speaks out and she says this, And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word and keep it. God was teaching a principle here in this passage of scripture. And that being that just because... Uh, this woman was showing her favor and or should we say the side in which she was taking with Jesus in the midst of the accusations which he was being given towards those to whom were around him. She steps up and says, blessed are they, blessed are you. And she's, she's calling out, I'm on your side, God. But Jesus, knowing her heart, takes it a step further and says, no, truly, if you are on my side, there will be an obedience of the heart as well as through your actions. Truly, if, there, if you are on my side, then you will be hearing the word of God and you will be keeping it. You will be a hearer and a doer of God's word, a hearer and an obeyer of God's word. God says in verse 23, as we just read it, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. I've entitled the message this morning, Living in Neutral. Living in Neutral. Uh, we, we talk about the... Um, uh, the, the very idea of something being in neutral. It's, it's uh, not uh, moving except with the flow of whatever uh, gravity is pulling it to go towards. You put your car in neutral on a hill, uh, you're going to go downhill. Uh, if you put your car uh, in neutral and, and yet it's on flat ground, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to stay with the ground. But if an earthquake happens, it very well may move. Or if somebody comes alongside, uh, maybe if a group of people come alongside and push that vehicle, it's going to move it. Something that's a neutral. It's something that's not actively moving. It's something that's not uh, it, it make, going, um, uh, going to its full extent and potential. God says that there are those 
who are with me, those who are not with me, and then there are those that define themselves as, I'm with God, but I'm not fully with God. In other words, they're straddling the line. They're only halfway with the things of God. They're only halfway for the things of God. They're only halfway busy for God. They're only halfway involved in the things concerning Christ and in God's house and in God's work and in God's mission and all that he's given for us to do. The Bible tells us, are we with the Lord or are we against the Lord? You're, you're only on one of two sides. There's no middle ground. Could I say to you today that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves living uh, in neutral, living in uh, neutral Christianity. I want to take you, take you to a few passages. Uh, while Luke will not be anything more than our key text, uh, yet we'll look together at some other passages together. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, we find uh, of the seven churches and uh, the different things which were being underlined as in problems <laughs> within the church. And in every church, as, he, as it is lifted, listed off, and John, being the writer, uh, writes these things, he speaks concerning the works of the church and them being known by God. In Revelation 3 and verse 15, the Word of God says, concerning, says this concerning the church of Laodicea. Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. In other words, you're neither one thing or the other. You consider yourself in the neutral position. Uh, you've not chosen a side. If you're going to not be with God, you might as well just not be with God. <laughs> if you're going to be with God, you might as well be with God. Now, before I go any further, let me explain to you uh, th this much, that we are not saying this morning that you can lose uh, your salvation and or a relationship with God if, if you have received him by faith. And praise the Lord for that. Amen? That cannot be lost. But I am saying to you, Christian, today, as I believe I'm speaking to many Christians this morning, it is possible that you have allowed yourself to begin living in neutral. Notice as the word of God continues in verse 16. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The word that is used uh, by God in this passage of scripture is that word lukewarm. Lukewarm. Nobody likes a, a cold shower, right? Uh, at the very minimum, lukewarm. Uh, that, that's, you know, pretty close to just right. You know, maybe you like a hot, hot shower. That's, that's up to you. But I, I like a good warm shower. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. Uh, one thing that, that Caleb has, all, has had a phobia about ever since he's been born is water on his face. He does fine with water everywhere else, but if water gets on his face, I mean, it's, it's, ah, you know, I mean, every, the whole world is coming to an end. And so, uh, you know, you try to give him a bath in the tub, and I, I even try to just put my head on top of his forehead and pour the water on his head. I try dunking it down. Anytime it gets over, on, over his eyes, onto his face, ah, and he stands up, and he's ready, you know, just throwing the towel for it all. And, but he loves water regardless, you know. Uh, my wife was saying how that the other day, he was out with the ladies at the, at the splash pad at the park, uh, when they have their moms and tots event, and um, uh, they have s apparently some buckets that fill up over time, and they dump. Some of you adults probably go there on your own spare time. Uh, but uh, apparently, as he got himself warmed up to that splash pad, and the bucket came and lit, hit him on the face, you know, all that water came down his face. Ah! You know, that was that was the end of it all. You know, uh, when something comes in such a way, you know. He, but he loves to play in water. The other day we were in uh, out in the patio, 
and we just got this bucket of water. And we tried the pool, doesn't care so much for the pool, because again, water in the face. So we just got a bucket of water, and he likes to scoop the water up and dump it out. Well, somehow, I don't know how he did it, kids are kids, he trips over the bowl, lands inside of the bowl. So he's entirely from, from knees and back, he's just sitting inside this bowl, completely drenched in water, diapers, shorts, everything, you know, and he just, you know, it's, uh, it's never, never a happy moment, it doesn't seem, when it comes to water with him. But uh, uh, we consider that matter of being lukewarm. Lukewarm. I wonder, in the Christian life, have you allowed yourself to become lukewarm? Uh, we're not beating anyone with a stick here. It, it's a simple question. Are you hot or cold in the Christian life? Are you on fire for God and busy for God and excited for God and getting involved in the things of God? Or have you grown cold to those things? Have you gotten comfortable? Have you found yourself living in a, in, uh, in a rut? <laughs> My pastor used to describe a rut is, uh, is nothing more than a, than a coffin with both ends opened up. <laughs> You're just in a dead position. You're not going anywhere. And, and um, this, this is not something that uh, is exclusive to any one type of person. I say to you this morning that all of us as Christians are capable of, of falling into the characteristic of lukewarmness, becoming, living the Christian life in neutral. We're, we're happy with coming to church, you know, Sunday morning, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but we come to church, that's the extent of it. We're happy with uh, teaching a Sunday school, but that's as far as it'll go. We're happy with getting involved in the nursery, but that's as much as we'll do. We're happy with uh, gospel outreach with the church, but not on our own time. Uh, we're, we're, we're happy with having a, a Bible study, but boy, we don't want to say anything during the Bible study. We become so lukewarm that we're so comfortable that we've managed to be able to go through all of the things of the Christian life without anything more than, I'm warming a seat. <laughs> I'm here. I'm present. We don't talk to anyone. We don't do any. And, and what, what happens is sometimes it's not because of our personality of, uh, of extrovert or introvert. Sometimes it's just because we're busy and therefore we're tired. We're busy or, and therefore our mind is filled with many things. Uh, we've gotten involved in so many other things that we've gotten ourselves comfortable with our everyday regular way of living and, and the way our schedule is. Could I say to you, if you find yourself comfortable beyond any question that you're comfortable in what, what life that you're in you should be asking yourself am I really doing as much for God as I should be because I say to you this for this reason any Christian that is living the Christian life is going to face opposition amen, amen. if you're living the Christian life in obedience to God and living it as God's word tells us that we should there will be friction there will be problems and it is not to say that it's an easy life to live that's why we've just read, sung together, the comforter has come. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Amen? Amen? We have our prayers, which we can bring directly to God and come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? Amen. Uh, we, we have uh, that relationship with Christ of knowing that he is present with us at all times, and he is in control of all things. But I say to you, in the midst of all that God is, it is completely possible for a Christian who's been saved for five years, ten years, one year, twenty years, thirty years plus... It's completely possible that, you've, that you have fallen into a lukewarm state. You're just comfortable where you're at. Let me ask you, Christian, if you were to define your Christian life and the journey which you're living in the Christian life today, 
would you be able to define it as anything more than lukewarmness? There's no middle ground. You're either lukewarm and or cold, or you're hot. You're either on fire for God and busy for God and doing all that you're doing out of a love relationship with God, or you're only halfway in it, and therefore, you're cold. You're not. Uh, Moses went as far to say, who is on the Lord's side? Because the truth is, there is only two sides. There's not a third side, okay? There's only two sides. You can't choose the middle ground. Who is on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? I'm not saying today, are you a Christian? Because I pray and hope that you are. I believe this morning that I'm talking to many Christians today. But the question and the challenge and the application that we're seeking to make today is, are we living in neutral? I want to bring you to a man in, the, in, in Scripture that we find uh, who allowed himself to fall in a lukewarm state. Turn to Genesis chapter 19, if you would. Genesis 19. We know the infamous story of the man by the name of Lot. Lot was a man who allowed himself to become lukewarm, comfortable, happy where he was at. He was a Christian, a believer in the Lord. He had, he had family, Abraham, who was also a believer in Christ. He had all the right things going for him, but he was comfortable with where he was at. Now, we could take it so far as to say he was comfortable with sin, and while that is true to much of an extent, uh, ultimately, any relationship that is not with Christ is sin. Any, any life that is, that is not involved Christ is sin. But what we find of Lot, in its, in its very root of the matter, is a man who strived and tried to be a known believer in Christ, but yet at the same time to do what he desired to do with his life. And therefore, he fell into a lukewarm state. I know exactly what's expected of me and what to do. I know exactly what to say and how to do it. And yet, at the same time, I'm able to get involved and do all the other things that I want to in life. And I'm happy with that. So therefore, I'm lukewarm. We find of Lot in chapter 19, after he's already chosen uh, of the two sides of land between Abraham, which side he would come to, he chose the side that was facing towards Sodom. And yet we find by chapter 19 that now he's no longer just encamped and facing towards Sodom. But notice verse number 1. The Bible says, And there came two angels uh, to uh, Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Here he is. He's come so close. He's come so far. He's now actually even letting himself land at the gate. I'll continue reading. And Lot seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into, unto your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said to him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay, these are Sodomites. This is a desired homosexual lifestyle that we find in verse 5. They're pressing towards, they saw these men come in and they want to know them, the Bible tells us. Verse 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them. 
and shut the door after him. And he said, I pray you, brethren, be not, uh, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let, let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye so to them as good as, as is good unto you in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore come they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said, again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot uh, into the house to them and shut, and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get ye out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city." But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, when the angels hastened, Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die." You talk, a man, you talk about a man who's a loose cannon. <laughs> you know what a loose cannon is. You get on, you, as on a ship, they would tie down the cannons so that when rocking, when the boat is rocking, those cannons would not go rolling and bouncing off both sides of that ship. In the Christian life, there are some who are as loose cannons. When everyone's going for the things of God, they're over here. Woo! I'm praising God. I'm praising Jesus. And when everyone else is over here living in sin and doing all the things of the world, they're happy to live in that also, that lukewarm state. Here we find a lot, this, this man who's been so affected by a neutral lifestyle. And so I say to you that uh, there is an effect um, that comes in living a neutral life. And what effect will this have? Well, I say to you, number one, living in neutral will determine your lifestyle. Living in neutral will determine your lifestyle. We find in verse number one that it was Lot who was sitting at the gate. It was not that he was committing the very same sins necessarily as the people within Sodom, but he allowed his entire life to be so consumed. And I say to you that when you will, the, the further you get away from God, the only further you'll get away from him. You, you, there, there is no uh, in-between middle ground. Anything that is not of God will separate you from God. And it will keep separating you further and further and further away from Christ. You may be a believer in Christ. You may know your Bible back, uh, front to back. Uh, you may have memorized scripture. You may know hymns. You may know all the things that there is to know about, uh, about the word of God and about the Christian life. But if you have allowed yourself to fall into a lukewarm state, 
I say to you, you can't expect a blessing from God. You can't uh, expect for God to truly be able to use you. And for that matter, you can't expect for anyone to take you, take you seriously. And we find of the lifestyle of Lot being so now of the people of Sodom. We could dwell upon the sins and all the, the matters that we find within this chapter. There's a lot that's here. But I'm bringing your attention to the very lifestyle of Lot. He chose to sit at the gate. He chose to sit at the gate. It's, it's unfortunate, but too many Christians, they're not living in sin, but they're sitting at the gate. They're not full-fledged out of a relationship with God, but they're sitting at the gate. Their whole lifestyle is, is, is living in that neutral state. Christian, let me ask you, where are you sitting? Well, I'm sitting in the fourth row, the fifth row. No. Where, where are you sitting in your Christian life? What, where, where are you sitting? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? At his beckoning call, whatever he calls and leads you to do? Whatever God makes available for you to do, that you'll do it? Are you, uh, are you sitting in ready obedience to his word? As God's word is open and you read his word and you spend time with him in his word, ready to obey him, whatever he would call and ask for you to do? Or is a neutral state where you've gotten comfortable? Your Bible readings become few and far between. Your prayer life is little to none. The things of God in your life are mostly surrounded around the times that you're in church. The Bible tells us your lifestyle. Number two, living in neutral will affect your, pers your personal reputation. It will affect your personal reputation. In verse 14, the Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. It's, it's unfortunate that too many Christians have allowed themselves to become so lukewarm that the people to whom they are around day by day by day don't even know that they are a Christian. They don't even know that there is something different about them. They so, like a chameleon, blended in with everyone else around them that uh, it, it becomes absurd for them to hear that you're talking of anything of God. I can't tell you how many times, and I, this doesn't speak for everyone in the world, or everyone in Norfolk, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people, I invite them to church, and this, this is, I, I would say, in, at least in the past month, probably 50% of the people I've invited to church have said this. And they say, well, you know, I started going to church and I found that all the people that I was going to church with, uh, they didn't live or act like Christians at all. They didn't talk like Christians. The lifestyle they were living didn't at all appear to be like Christ. And while we as pastor, I can say, well, yeah, it's the type of church they're going to. Well, yeah, it's the type of preaching that they're not getting. Yeah, well, it's the type of, well, we can, well, the, the end of the day is this. It's unfortunate to say that for some Christians, and truthfully, it doesn't matter what church you go to, there very well may be uh, believers who have received God by faith. But it's unfortunate that Christians have earned a reputation by some, not everyone, but by some, that when the things of God are mentioned as, being, as even being a part of their life, it's, it's like, a, it's like are, you, are you kidding me? He calls himself a Christian? He goes to church? Have you heard the words he uses? Have you, have you seen the things that she posts online? Have you, have you had an actual conversation with them to know and they call themselves a believer? 
You realize in return the lukewarm Christian not only hurts their own reputation, but they hurt the testimony of God. And in turn can even cause some to not even believe upon Christ because they believe that the whole Christian life is just a joke. It's just a mockery. Why would I even want to be a Christian or go to church or be a part of any of those things when I see the claim to be Christian life that he or she lives? Lukewarmness. The Bible tells us lukewarmness can affect your lifestyle. It'll hurt your reputation. And here we find of Lot trying to speak to his own sons-in-law and what would seem to be almost a first, if at the very least, of the few mentions of God that he's ever made to them. And he actually speaks concerning the Lord. He says, for the Lord will destroy the city. And I can only but think and imagine in my mind, here the, here's the response of his sons-in-law. Lot, you haven't mentioned God? Not one little bit. Why, why is it suddenly a concern to you? Now you're suddenly worried about destruction to come that you claim to be there? Well, what is this? Christian, how can we ever truly be a witness for God and warn people of the destruction to come? That is to say that this world will pass away and all those who do not know Christ uh, will uh, be, the Bible tells us, uh, sent to an eternal hell. How can we ever be expected to ta be taken seriously if we're not known for being serious about God? Are you serious about the things of Christ? I know that life uh, has things which are demanding. Jobs are demanding. Uh, means of finance are demanding. Children are very demanding. <laughs> you know, there, there are things in life that take demands, but they should never supersede a relationship with God. And I say to you, sometimes the lukewarmness isn't always that we're living in sin as Lot. We're just sitting at the gate as a result of all the things in life which will someday pass away on this earth. Of all the things in life which we've gotten so fearful and worried and consumed and thinking about, where in the meanwhile there are people who are dying and going to hell, and how are they ever going to take serious the things of God? We can't the same in our lives. Could I say to you parents, parents, you can't ever, and I'm no perfect parent, but none of us as parents can ever expect our children to live for God and to obey God, to be faithful to church, to be busy in church, and all these things, we aren't the same. Well, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. I'm preaching to, preaching to myself. Because pastor's kids can be the worst ones. <laughs> I is one. <laughs> Are we lukewarm? It's not just our friends that watch us. It's not just our, our colleagues that watch us. Our, our, our co-workers, our own family, our children. The Bible tells us living in neutral will determine your lifestyle. It, it will affect your personal reputation Number three, it'll affect your witness for God. I mentioned this already, but your witness for Christ. Others can never truly be brought to Christ through you if you're living in a lukewarm state. And lastly, living in neutral will cause spiritual battles. Living in neutral will cause spiritual battles. Now, don't become confused here because when you live the Christian life, and you're on fire for God, there is a spiritual warfare. There is a battle. But when we talk about these battles, th there's a blessing that is lost. Um, some people try to define, you know, what is that blessing that I'm not getting? What is God not giving me that I actually need now? 
It's not about what you have or don't have. It's simply the matter of fact of seeing God continue to bless. You know, in this world, there are so many things that uh, we can define as blessings as a result, things that we work to make happen. You know, uh, here we, we work a job and we got some overtime. We made, you know, uh, time and a half on our paycheck. Well, we say, wow, that's a blessing. Well, that's a blessing that you made happen. It's a blessing that you work to make happen. But then there are blessings that God just simply gives. You say, where in the world did this come from? We're not talking about finance. We're just simply talking about God's working in your life. You say, how in the world did this take place? God. Those are the blessings which we're talking about. How do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you've seen God work. When God works, you know it's God that's working. And so the Bible tells us that living neutral will cause these spiritual battles. What do we mean by that? Let's look at Lot yet again in verse 16. And while he lingered. And this is the problem. Even when we know that which is true, even then when we know that which is right, yet we keep dabbling in it. We keep lingering in it. I mean, what a church can have revival. Uh, you can listen uh, to preaching. You can read your Bible. But if you keep lingering in an opposite life than a life that's fully given to Christ, uh, the, the truth is uh, your, your flesh... Your flesh, when not yield to the Holy Spirit, your flesh will have the preeminence. We are not robots that are controlled by the Holy Spirit, you know, wherever he wants us to go. We've got to yield to his power. But when that, without the Holy Spirit's power, we'll always pursue the flesh and the desires of the flesh. When we talk about the flesh, we're not just talking about lust of, uh, of physical attractions towards others of the opposite sex. But lust or desires or covetous desires of anything upon this earth. Something I desire to have for my life that I don't have. And I'm not content with just God. I'm not content with just having a relationship with God. I have to have these things. So I'm going to keep lingering around them. I want to keep my movies. I want to keep my posts on, on social media. I, I want to keep my friendships. I want to keep my, my job and, and the, 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 the job hours that I get. And if it brings me out of this and the things of God, if it brings me away from this and the things of God, and if it brings me a, a, away from these things, that's okay. At least I'm enough in church. At least I'm enough busy for God in this area. And we, we cookie cut the Christian life to, to define it as acceptable in the eyes of God because of these things. Lukewarmness. I say to you, there is none of us that are above the matter of lukewarmness, myself included. Too many pastors and preachers become lukewarm. They can become monotonous and over and over in, in, in the preaching. It becomes more preaching uh, of, of just information that I, that I pulled off somewhere rather than information that I studied and put together myself. Uh, pastors can lead churches to be monotonous in, in the schedule for the church. And everything's done the same every single year, and nothing ever changes. And and it becomes more churchianity than it becomes actually a, a church of Christian Christians growing and worshiping and and moving together. You understand what I'm talking about? It's possible for all of us to live in neutral. We're not talking about in park. Yes, we know those people who put who they're living in park. They just stop doing everything. No, in neutral, you're doing something but you're not doing everything you can for God. I'm not even talking about the matter of service, although that has so much to do with it. But just simply yielded to God. 
My life is not my own. It's God's. Service is defined by you. You may serve uh, the Lord by giving. You may serve the Lord by singing. You may serve the Lord uh, by your time. All of us serve the Lord in different ways, and God calls us all to different things and gifts us all with specific things in life. But have we become lukewarm? If, if our children will look, were to look at our lives, would they say, you know what, mom and dad, they don't really take this that seriously, so why should I take it any more serious? You know, one thing about a Bible college, at least the college that we went to is this way, and I believe most Bible colleges are pretty well this way. When there is a standard, no matter what it is, you define it how you want to, dress code, whatever, whatever standard it is, it's usually in most cases set at a certain bar knowing that everyone who's being educated is going to fall below that. So what a good college, especially in a Bible college case, will do is they'll set that bar very, very high. Not to say that that's the only way. Now, some may preach it that way. But not to say that that's the only way. But knowing that there will be those who fall below it. The goal is that they don't fall all the way down here. So if you set the bar high, and I know that my wife and I have had this conversation. We're, again, we're no perfect parents. I'm not saying that we're going to raise our children of perfection. I pray the Lord that with his help we can. <laughs> but there is no perfect child. But that we would set the bar high. It's not to say that this is the only way to do it. But we're setting the bar high. These are the rules in the house. This is the way in which mom and dad and all of us, we're all going to do together as a family. These are the things which we're going to choose to do and not do with our lives because we know that when our children do make their own decisions on their own, that they'll probably fall below that a little bit. And God forbid that they would so fall so low that they do put it in park and they just completely fall away from doing anything for God. Busy for God is defined, again, it's defined differently by everyone. In Paul's case, he always described it as an athlete. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God. I'm running. I'm working. It's active. It's moving. It's not just lukewarm. I, again, this, this is a pastor's scripture I'm reminding myself about, preaching to myself, because it's easy for me to get lukewarm. <laughs> My wife and I, we praise the Lord. We've now been here for two years, but uh, we, the Lord's allowed us to get a house, and and uh, now the Lord has given us two children, and uh, boy, it, it just, you know, uh, it's easy to just sit back and say, wow, life is good. You know, we've got, what more do we need? We've got a family, we've got our house, we can be comfortable, we've got a nice backyard, we've got a park on the road we can go play in, and, you know, we can just come to church, and I have a nice little church that we go to, and, and I can just preach my sermons, and we can, do, we can just get comfortable. And Christian life is not meant to be a life of, is of just simple comfort. And what I mean by that is, is the comfort comes from the Holy Spirit. The comfort doesn't come from that which we produce in and of ourselves. And too many Christians have fallen into this mentality that I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and happy with what I'm doing, but they're not running the race in the Christian life. They're not doing everything they can for God. Your body may limit you from doing some things for God. Your stage in life, young children, older children, may limit what you can do for God. Uh, your finances may limit how you can give to God. Uh, we can go on down the line, all these things, but are you doing all you can for God? That's the question. Are you doing all you can for God? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the truth that we find within it, and we 